0: Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Anatomy of Tone. In this week's podcast, we're going to take a listen to Universal Audio's Delverb pedal, which is a combination of reverb and delay. And they've taken some of the wonderful models that they make for plate, spring, digital reverb, as well as tape and bucket brigade and digital delays as well and combine them in a pedal that gives a lot of flexibility for keyboardists guitarists and people that just want to do some outboard processing through their studio so I'm gonna get into this later and talk about the many uses and the sounds of this pedal also I'm going to look at a guitar solo that I did on a recent gig. Now, I like to record a lot of gigs. I just put my iPhone on and put it near the amp or just somewhere on stage so I could record the shows just to hear what I did. It's really interesting to get a sense of what worked or what didn't work. Sometimes we tend to beat ourselves over some mistakes on gigs, which didn't turn out to be that big of a deal at all. And in our mind, we're replaying them and beating ourselves up so it's good to be able to go back and say oh you know what that wasn't such a big deal at oh, all no. and uh, also to be able to listen and recognize some moments that you didn't realize were as special as they were not only that but to also capture the moments that you knew were special there are sometimes moments on gigs from I'm improvising solos and as a tour is going on learning more and more about the song so I'm actively workshopping it and it's good to be able to listen after each gig and, and get a sense of what was working or, or what wasn't working from a solo. I played at the Bitter End this past week with an artist named Kevin Benz, a really great friend of mine, but also a really talented songwriter, musician. He's been in the business a long time and has played with many people. We are playing Kevin's music at the Bitter End every couple of months we do a show with Myself, Kevin Benz, Robbie Mangano, Sean Dixon, Abby Ackman, and that's the band. And Sometimes the band also has Adam Minkoff, in it. and it depends on who's out on tour, who's available. But it's, it's pretty close to being a, a consistent setup. I thought I would play a solo that I came up with for the song Half a Light and discuss my thought process behind it. because I think sometimes often we're hearing people's thought processes about Solos from third parties. We don't actually get to hear what the person who created the solo was thinking when they were doing it. So I thought I would occasionally take something that I've worked on and just discuss what worked or what didn't work about it. I'm a really big fan of this song of Kevin's. I hope to have him on the podcast at some point we can play more of his music today i'm just going to focus on this snippet of his song which i'm going to start with right now before we even talk about any of my thoughts of the solo and how i approached it let's listen now remember that this is just an iphone recording on the floor next to my amp so it doesn't sound fantastic first and foremost important element is the emotional factor. I really like to respond to the feeling of the music or whatever narrative that I'm imagining with the music. For this particular song, the song's called Half a Light, and I just was imagining being in a very dark place, a room or something, and having a flashlight and just trying to find my way out. And is eventually gets more frantic because as time goes on, it seems like a more important issue to find my way out to so the music or my guitar solo is reflecting that in some ways. And the, the solo is, I wouldn't say meandering, but it, it isn't It isn't structured in an A-A-B-A manner or something. So I am coming up with melody lines and a hint at I had a thought, but then I'm moving around. So I'm wandering because I also wanted it to feel like it was wandering. This wasn't super conscious. This ha- was a reaction to the way I was feeling, right? Because I just was going through this uh, emotional thing on stage, as the song was playing. Now, I didn't prepare this solo at all. I just picked some notes that I thought would sound cool and found some places that I knew if I got into trouble, I could get out and where it's for me, this song, the A minor blues box works over it. I played some notes outside of that, but I knew if I ever got into a sketchy area, I could just lean back in that A minor blues box and and, and get back on track. But aside from that, I really didn't prepare what I was playing. I thought about maybe some of the sounds going into it. Like I knew going into it that single note lines, like monophonic was going to sound a little thin perhaps so I started doing double stops and using an open string for that and sometimes I was doing these pull-offs from maybe I was like fretted up at like the fret eight and playing 11 on the b string and then doing pull-offs me that represented a little I don't know it was jarring without being dissonant because of the skip in the pitches it just felt a little uneasy but not overly dissonant which I liked, and, and again, this is all tying into the feeling that I was having when I was playing. As I really imagined myself going through this experience and was trying to match sound to how I was playing out this movie in my head. I found that the double straps sounded just fuller, and I knew I was going to base most of the solo on that because once I started the solo and I heard that, I was like, there it is. I didn't want it to be too thin. But I did have to be somewhat aware of the chord changes happening because I knew there were going to be times that I wanted to highlight Certain chords and the chords were A minor to D minor to E minor and then A minor B minor D major. So not exactly the type of chord progression that you could completely go on automatic pilot with. You still have to have some sort of awareness. And for me, the hot points were the first chord and the last chord. So the middle chord, although sometimes I wanted to highlight it, I was really more concerned with the outer outskirts of, of each of the the chord cycles. That way I could start and end, and maybe I could blur the the middle if I needed to. There were times though, I did actually want to hit that middle chord though, and highlight that in a certain way. So I was aware of it, but there were a couple of different methods of knowing one scale that could go over all the chords, uh, knowing what each of the chords are. So I could highlight each of the chords if I wanted to So I'm just jumping in between these processes. Since this is largely improvised, one of the things that was happening is I would hit a note and I would hear a melody in my head. And then in that moment, I would have to figure out what those intervals were to play what I was hearing in my head. And I always think of these as like a hot note in some ways, because sometimes when you're playing over a chord progression, you'll just hit a note and you just, it's like you get a tingle or something. You're just like, there it is. That's a note. That's, there's something there. It's an anchor. There's something there to build on. And when you hear these melodic lines have in this solo, or you've heard it by now, then you can know that just came in the moment. And I just heard the note and then the melody just appeared in my head and I had to piece it together. So it takes a little bit of time to be able to hear all the intervals in your head. It doesn't mean you're always going to be right. So there are times where I shoot for a melody line I have in my head and I don't get it right. But A lot of times I do and this just comes from practicing ear training and that takes some time but it's really worth to get into because it can really open up your improvisations and some ways make your improvisations sound like they're more composed and this comes through the development of melody lines. I'm very melody based. I just love melodies. As a composer, I'm always thinking about melodies so this comes through in my solos a lot as I'm playing and really want people to walk away feeling like they heard something. They didn't just hear a bunch of words recited or just notes played that it actually said something. Now, I just want to touch on the fact again that I didn't prepare much for this solo and that was a very intentional statement because I wanted to leave room to feel something in the moment. i Sometimes I'm preparing for a gig and I am practicing a solo and I know exactly how it's going to roll out from beginning to end. But there are certain songs that I just know that I want to let it be in the moment and really depends on the artist you're working with. And Kevin is cool with that. We rehearsed a couple of times for the gig, but he also wanted to keep things at a point where there was still a freshness live. It wasn't, the band is really good. The musicians are awesome. So you don't have to worry about it over rehearsing with them. They're just tight. They're ready to go, but we don't want to over-rehearse it to the point that every note was predetermined. I also approached this with the guitar solo because I really wanted to respond to everybody in the moment and everybody in that band is such a dynamic player. I didn't know what they were going to do in the moment. I just wanted us all to have this experience together together to see where we end up and if I play a note and then Sean or Robbie or Kevin responds to it or I play or if they play something i respond to them and sometimes that stuff just can't be prepared in advance you have to just live it in the moment your tone can influence how you're responding in the moment as well i had a small pedal board for this gig i had a Maxon SD9 song distortion i had a Klon on my pedal board i had the universal audio Delver. I had the solo Dallas storm pedal last in my chain on as a preamp and I was going into a, this was the house deluxe reverb reissue, Re- which was actually that one at that venue was really good. I often don't like that amp, but I'm not sure what's particular about that amp in that room, but it works really well. I was using a Gibson SG custom with Gemini Mercury one pickups, which to me are a really important part of of this sound they're so touch sensitive and dynamic and articulate that they really pick up all the nuances when i'm trying to emote or play something the combination of all these things and i'm on you also had this sonic distortion where i had my volume rolled back on the sg bit so i wasn't getting full saturation. I was getting some from the distortion, but it wasn't full up, full saturation from the guitar volume knob perspective. I find that this just leaves a little more dynamic so I can a little more expressive with uh, how hard or how soft I'm hitting notes, but I get some of that nice compression and uh, harmonic richness that I get from the sonic distortion. And also the solo Dallas storm is adding that hard limiting and just really doing something special to the character of the tone. So the combination of all those things and, and the UA Del verb, which I'm going to talk about in this episode really made a nice sound. And when I was hearing it back, it was really painting that picture of being in that dark room with the flashlight. All these things add up together, the band, the song, the sound I'm hearing back from my amp, it's all intertwined. So they're linked together and each one carries a lot of weight. And I think one of the points to make is that although I'm aware of music theory and I definitely was aware of the chords and the chord tones as I was playing them and maybe which ones to highlight, it was getting to the point with the music theory that it sits in the background a little bit. I hear a melody line. I use the theory to try to figure out what that melody line might be. I know what's in the chord, so I have a safe spot to land if I need to resolve something or I want to start on a, a consonant tone that's not dissonant. So I'm using that stuff to... sometimes paint and say, I know if I use this mode, it's going to be darker or brighter. I'm really trying to approach it, though, from the experience of having a sense of how each of these methods or approaches will sound rather than just throwing something against the wall and seeing how it will stick. Now, Sometimes I end up in a situation where I have to do that as well, but that was not the case with this particular solo. So also keep in mind that there may be different ways that you have to approach solos on different gigs, but to me, this is a real ideal to approach an improvised solo on more of a ballad song or where you're working with musicians that are sensitive and can really allow you to build a, a story that you're feeling in the moment. Let's check out the Universal Audio Delverb pedal. I was attracted to this pedal because it has reverb and delay in one pedal. In a rather small setting, as compared to what some of my other reverb and delay pedals are, which are usually independent pedals. And there are times where I need to have both on a gig, and I need to take a small pedal board for travel purposes. I just can't fit you know, a, a larger size delay and reverb on there, plus an overdrive and a tuner and just other pedals I, I need. Right, the Delverb seemed like a solution for this, and I know there have been other solutions out there in the past, but I wasn't happy with the way that they sounded. A lot of delays and reverb sound anemic to me, I do like the Strymonel Cappy stand. It's a great sounding pedal, but the reverb is hidden, at least in my version. Now they make a version that has the reverb that you can adjust with a knob. The problem with that is, even with the new one, is that if you turn the delay off, you turn the reverb off. I needed something that I can independently control both and most often I don't turn the reverb off except for maybe a couple of songs if I need to on some gigs often it sits parked on and then I just turn the delay on and off but really obviously I needed to have both and the, the El Capistan with it turning the, the reverb off with the delay wasn't really helpful in some of these situations now I've tried some stuff from line six and some other companies and multi effects processors and even Tide H nine. I just can't roll with those. They sound very thin. I don't know what they're using as far as the buffers and the digital processing, but it doesn't sound great. And those, I just, I don't even use period. Now the El Capistan I I use in other circumstances. I use real tape echo. I have a a full tone tube tape echo. I use real spring reverb. I have the surfy bear metal, as well as the Demeter Reverbulator, which I lean on those a lot in the studio, but they're not necessarily super practical for some gigs from playing a a surf gig. That's just more of an, uh, theater setting or a listening space, I'm likely to take those, but sometimes you're just ending up in these gigs where you are cramped space and it's just not ideal to take larger pieces of gear. So this is where we're searching for a pedal that can create some pretty authentic sounds and not sound digital. So Universal Audio, I've been using their products for a number of years. I have a couple of Apollos in my studio, as well as the Aux, and I use a ton of their plugins when I'm mixing. The, I primarily use UAD plugins, honestly, with some PSP and Valhalla and Fab Filter, or a couple other companies I also use a lot of plugins from. The UAD makes up the majority of, of what I'm using and mixing. The Apollos, I thought, were an amazing invention. And home recording before projects to be recording, it, it just would have cost so much money to get the level of sound that the Apollos gets, There was a revolution I feel like when it comes to home recording, cause the converters sound great. I came from using Burl converters, which are very high end converters and they are really special converters. However, when I started using the Apollos a lot for mobile recording, it wasn't like, I felt like it was a deal breaker. I was like amazing because at that time, any other unit that I was using, that was a mobile recording or small project home setup just did not sound good. There was a lack of warmth and a depth to it. But Universal Audio really figured that out. And when it came to making pedals, I was really interested to hear if they were able to apply that technology to the pedals. And sure enough, they did. It's There's depth, right? there's warmth, and there's complexity to the sound. And it sounds a lot like their plugins, which I'm really impressed with. And it doesn't feel like I'm running through a lot of uh, digital processing and conversion, somehow they've managed to do it so that a lot of the integrity of your tone is, well, all the integrity of your tone, it still exists and it's not being cut out or changed in an unfavorable manner the Delverb is a stereo effects pedal and there's two separate processing engines in it for the left and right side i use it in mono a lot but sometimes it is great to have as a stereo option particularly if i want to run out from mixing desk or an apollo and i want to actually process something in real time and have the tactile experience with it so sometimes even though i might have a plug-in it's nice to be able to touch the knobs and adjust something in real time particularly when you're using delays and you want to mess with the feedback or the delay times as, as an effect, which you'll hear me use in this. In that case, you might want to send tracks from your recording, your DAW out to the Dell verb to process it. There's a USB connection on the back of the Dell verb for updating the firmware. You could also connect through an app to be able to adjust parameters and load in some other settings for the Dell verb. One of the things you can adjust in the app is how the foot switches operate. So there are three different modes. The first one is the setting where the right foot switch turns off the reverb, the left foot switch turns off the delay. Another option is where the right foot switch is used as a tap tempo, and the left foot switch turns off the delay and reverb together. The third option is where the right foot switch acts as a tap tempo again, but the left foot switch now just turns off the delay and leaves the reverb on. This is my favorite setting because as I mentioned, often I leave the reverb on for most of the gig. And honestly, if I have to have less reverb, it's one knob on the delverb, I could just reach down and turn it down. Well, having access to the tap tempo and turning the delay off is important because I find that those are the things that I'm adjusting most often on a gig in the moment. You can also load what they call different voicings through the app as well, which are just, Different takes on, or I should say, settings or presets for each of the sounds. This is a really nice feature because you can find a couple of presets that really speak to you, or I should say, voicings that match what you're doing for the gig. Just load them and then you're good to go. What works really well about the Delverb is it makes an awesome throw and go pedal when you need to get set up and you need to know that you're going to have some great sounds immediately and just be able to get into the gig and move from song to song without a lot of preparation it's fantastic there are gigs where you need to just have some really solid sounds without a large margin of error that is possible there are other pedals that might sound fantastic but because of their complicated nature can really be a hindrance in certain situations Universal Audio has really thought about this in the design and the tone. And they didn't really lacked in either area. So they really thought of the player's perspective and I think in that mindset of somebody that needs both of these tools in a situation that they need great sound very quickly. It's not necessarily like a tweaker's heaven pedal because you can't change a lot of the parameters on the the reverb, for instance, or change the EQ curve over to the diffusion, or anything like that. It's pretty much they picked awesome reverbs for you, a plate, a uh, hall, and a spring, and you're pretty much ready to go on a gig. You know they're gonna sound great. Just you're picking a flavor of one of those to use in the moment, as well as the delays. The delays are a little more tweakable because you'd expect we tend to tweak more in the moment with delay is so on each of the three settings there are a couple of variations for the tape delay the color knob adjusts the record level for the tape this basically means it changes how much the tape is going to get saturated so harmonic richness and, and extreme settings distortion for the delay on the analog delay setting it's going to affect the input gain so that's also going to act as a saturation to the bracket brigade delay but it's going to sound different than the tape delay getting saturated again still acting a lot as a saturation adjustment on the precision delay setting which is the digital delay option the color knob is going to have a completely different feature it's really going to act as an eq so in the middle position it's flat but if you turn it up, it's gonna get a lot brighter. If you turn it down, it's gonna get a lot darker. This is really cool. I actually used this as an effect when I was recording. I was turning the tone knob up and down, almost like you would a filter on a synthesizer to just get different textures. Again, this is where having a pedal in a real time experience and the tactile experience can really change the way that you use effects as an expression as opposed to. Just something that sits in the background as an effect in the mix. Now the mod knob also reacts differently depending on which setting you have for the delay. For the tape mode, it chooses the quality of tape or I should say the age of the tape. So fully counterclockwise, it's the new old stock tape and more to the right, it's more worn and broken in. I use a lot of real tape echoes and I spent some time to dial in the color in the mod knobs to emulate the sounds that I like to have my tape delay set up at, which means I spent some time setting the input knob. So it was saturating the tape and also maybe even more worn tape sound to get it to be close to my units that I use. And I was able to dial it in. It really makes a difference. You'll find that with a lower input setting and a newer tape, then you're going to have a lot more hi-fi, brighter, uh, repeats, But as you turn up the more tape age, essentially more worn, it gets a little more, I don't know, softer sounding and, and a little less pristine as well as the input knob adds a little more of that uh, sonic richness to it and richer harmonics and more saturation. Now, I don't have them both all the way up. But I do have the input knob up a fair amount you could hear it warming up as well as the tape is probably for me was around like a two o'clock or so. Now for the analog bucket brigade setting, the mod knob is going to adjust the modulations. vibrato to the left, chorus to the right and off at noon. So you can get these warbly almost vinyl like warped sounds out of it, or just more of a a chorus modulated sound, which was available on the Memory Man, Bucket Brigade style delays, which are one of the, the, probably the best references for that sound. It's a really lovely effect. Now for the precision setting, the digital delay setting, it's also gonna affect modulation, but it's either gonna be flanging or chorus. So flanger all the way to the left, and it's going to also adjust the speed and intensity. So flanger to the left, chorus to the right. And then when it's in center at noon, it's going to be off. Another thing I like about the Dell verb is you can get 100% wet reverb sound. So just by turning the reverb knob all the way up, your signal is going to be 100% wet. Now some pedals, you would think they all will do this i found that some don't always give you a 100% wet signal. I really like this for doing ambient sounds. If I'm running a volume knob guitar with a compressor before the reverb and I do swells and want to do pads and effecty type things where it's just moody, then I really like having this set to a hundred percent. Also the delay is set before the reverb. So when the delay is on, the order of effects is delay into reverb. Now the Delay time settings vary between each of the three units, as you would expect, because they actually did in the history of the devices. Universal audio kept with the true character of the original units. So the, the tape setting is between 80 and 700 milliseconds. The analog the bucket brigade is between 110 and 1,068 milliseconds. The precision is between 120 and 1500 milliseconds as delay progressed through history or through technology we got longer and longer delay times now there's an interesting option for some of the settings on the precision delay which is that the pitch won't be altered by delay time changes and often with a lot of analog and tape echoes if you adjust the time you actually hear these pitch shifting wobble sounds happening now on some of the settings on the precision, not all, it really depends on what voicing you're using, AKA like a preset. So some of the presets you can, or voicings you could download will be labeled glide, which will enable the, the pitch shifting option. But There are options for the precision that you can use that won't, and just the pitch shift the, uh, the the material as you're adjusting the time this is one thing i like about my korg sdd 3000 it's an early 80s digital delay and it, it doesn't shift the pitch when you adjust the delay time so it's cool because you could do things for minimalist music like say some steve reich Type effect things where you're, you're using that, that phasing where things are slightly just going out of time from each other. And it's really great for that. And it's something that I think I'm really glad U80 thought about with this because the SDD 3000 is a rather large pedal. I don't take it out of the studio too much, although it has a real special preamp in it. And it's just not always practical. So being able to take something and have this minimalist style effect is really wonderful. I will say I'm pretty impressed with the build quality on the Dell Verb. I'm not surprised. I own several other pieces of Universal Audio gear, really like the company and what they've done. I've always felt like their customer support has been really friendly, always been able to solve my issues and get somebody to talk to. I just think that their whole point of view has been high quality right from the get-go. And this is no different. It's a metal housing and it feels durable. It feels tour worthy. The switches are nice on it. The little, uh, I should say, the flip switches that adjust the spring and plate and haul, they feel nice and sturdy. They don't feel flimsy. So I feel like this is a pedal that I can use a lot on the road and, and expect some reliable behavior out of it. It is a digital pedal and it requires at least... 400 milliamps of power to run. So you make sure that you have a good power supply. I'm using the Strymino High, and that's a really great power supply, but there are a couple of others as well. So just always keep an eye on how much power that you're running with your power supplies and make sure that you're not exceeding the limits so your digital pedals can get the power they need. Sometimes analog pedals can sound cool with lower power but digital pedals do not so they always need to make their minimum power requirements let's listen to some examples using the dell verb i ran everything for these examples in mono because a lot of my gear is mono i'm running a lot of vintage style since profit 10 and. OB-6, ARP 2600, not plugins, but actual synths. And a lot of these things, including guitar, are are running in mono. So it just made sense to me for these particular examples to approach it that way. I also want to hopefully approach some examples from a different perspective than maybe others have. There are a lot of great videos on YouTube and. You can research online, a lot of people who've done more traditional uses of the pedal. I'm going to give you a couple of those, but I also want to show how other ways that the delverb can be very helpful and, and practical. And I'm going to jump right in with that and start with some sounds using synthesizer. Synthesizers love effects there's a lot of classic synthesizer sounds you'd be surprised what they sounded like if they didn't have some sort of room reverb or modulation or something on it and it really helps bring them to life i'm going to start with this first example using a dave smith ob6 synth and it does have onboard effects but i turn them off because often i like to use external effects that i can have more control over we're going to start with a dry signal and just hear what the synth sounds like then we're going to kick in the Delverb, so you can hear how much it brings the sound to life. I'm going to kick in the Delverb with spring and tape on. switch to the plate reverb now with the same sequence. with the plate reverb and the bucket brigade delay. Started getting this really cool, unpredictable, glitchy-like effect happening using the precision delay with the OB-6. Let's check it out. First phase is dry. jump over to guitar now. This is going to be a Stratocaster with FSC-59 pickups into the Delverb using the spring setting into a Vox AC-15. So this is more of a Hank Marvin kind of vibe from the Shadows, which he used Stratocasters into Vox amps. Okay, same setup. This time I'm going for a little more of, I don't know, maybe of the sound of the edge. So this is gonna be a bucket brigade sound with the spring reverb. switch to a plate reverb, keep the same signal chain. Mention i'm recording into the ua aux via a ampete 88s amp switcher so that makes it so much easier for me to be able to switch through different amps in the recording studio and just to find more sounds quicker because i'm much more likely to try different amps and configurations if it's easier to set up and that's running into a purple audio mc77 which is a I think the best 1176 Revision E circuit. And then I'm going into a Universal Audio Apollo and that's going into UA's Luna recording software. Let's do something a little more in the lo-fi garage sound. So this is going to be using the same Strat. I'm going to go into a Seeker tone Bender MK1, my favorite tone bender circuit. In Seeker electric effects makes a wonderful version of it. Now I know I've covered this in a previous podcast. You could also go on my website, Anatomy of Guitar Tone, and check out a full review and details about that pedal. It's a real special fuzz circuit. And that is going into the Delverb Verb on a tape slapback setting into the Vox AC-15. switch to a gibson es335 with voodoo 59 humbuckers in it this is going to go into an road tube drive that's going to go into the dell verb and then we're going to run into a headstrong little king reverb which is pretty much a black panel princeton that's going into the aux into the purple audio 1176 into the apollo into lona things that's really special about the tube drive is it has this really rich throaty sound unlike most other drive pedals it doesn't chop off your low end it still allows you to have some dynamics it's very rich it's an actual tube pedal that runs at plate voltage there's a lot of headroom and it really sounds and acts a lot like an amplifier does and you get a little of that that, uh, no, that attack that happens particularly with tubes that doesn't happen with a lot of pedals that are trying to emulate tubes. So I'm a huge fan of this pedal. It sounds really fantastic paired with the Delverb. Let's listen to more of a, a lead riff line. <laughs> About a more of a clean setting with a 335 and the neck pickup. The amp is pushed a little bit, so you'll hear a little saturation or driving happening from the amp, and humbuckers pushing the front end of the Little King. But generally, this is, I would think, more of a 1960s, early 70s guitar tone with the Delverb on a plate setting. You hear there's a lot of depth and complexity to the reverb it sounds very flattering and you don't have to fight it it's just like instant gratification which i think is really important when you're doing a lot of these gigs where you throw and go it's also important to note that this pedal really works well for sound design and synthesizers and a lot of synth players now are using a lot of pedal boards and have pedal boards at their disposal on top of keyboards or next to them so they can play the parameters in real time so i'm going to do some of those examples now and go out and left field a little bit more. Before we do that, I'm actually going to use the Delverb with some drum machines. And I like using some mid late seventies, early eighties drum machines through delays in real time to mess with the rhythms. I use the machine plus here of the standalone machine and use it as an example for this because I had it hooked up and I'm using it in mono, like I would have vintage a drum machine because they were mono but I'm just going to augment the rhythms of the drums so you can get an example of how it might work. That was on the tape setting, no reverb. Let's try it now using the BBD setting. For this example, I'm using the precision delay setting with flange. Mellotrons and plate reverbs, spring reverbs, tape delays, they get along so well together. I'm going to use the Mellotron M4000D Mini to generate some sounds to experiment with the Delverb. Mellotron in slow tape mode to create an extra vibey, moody sound using one of the sax tones. was a psychedelic era inspired Mellotron break. And I was using the the tape echo and the plate reverb on that, just put it back in that era. And it really does. I think the, the reverb and the tape delay matched the sound of the Mellotron. And this is now like a mobile unit that you can take out that can really capture the essence of that era, which is something I'm always looking for, particularly to be able to recreate some of those moody sounds live without compromising on the tone. Let's check out an example. I used the Mellotron for an optagon organ tone with the Delverb. verb. Venture into some more experimental and abstract uses. I'm going to use some synthesizers and guitar to create more sound design or effecty type sounds, which are great for soundtracks or even honestly like bridges of songs and intros. It's something to create mood and character tension. And let's start off first using the ARP 2600 running into the Delver. What I'm doing in this example is adjusting the delay speed time in real time. And I'm just like bumping it ever so slightly so it causes a pitch jump. I thought that was a cool effect matched with the sound from the ARP 2600. There's also reverb on it. I probably had the 224 reverb on this. I'm not sure if I exactly remember, but I know the tape delay, I was particularly maneuvering the time to create the sound. This next example is an improvisational experimental piece using the ARP 2600 and playing with the parameters on the Delverb as well as different parameters on the ARP 2600. This is very much like a real-time evolution of sound. Well, I'm always looking for effects that I can interact with in real-time. The cool thing about doing these types of improvisational compositions in the moment is that it's unlikely that it's ever gonna happen the same way again. So I think of some of the music of John Cage, which was experimental and always designed in a way that each performance would be unique, or I'd say there'd be a lot of unexpected moments in it. Here towards the end, there, I actually turned off the Delverb so you could hear it dry and hear actually what the ARP sounded like before it was being processed by the Delverb. And it's a little surprising, right? It's not sounding how you would expect it to sound. The Delverb is really adding a lot of character and personality to the performance. For this next example, using the ARP 2600, I'm going to include the Effectro tube drive into the signal chain. So it's going to go ARP. Tube drive into the Delverb. I like this because sometimes the synth sounds respond well to saturation, and the tube drive is a great complement to the synth. Because again, talking about how it doesn't truncate the low end, it allows the the low end to be completely natural, but it allows me to add saturation to the sound pre Delverb. This is a very sound design horror sci-fi type example. <laughs> I'm going to end with a guitar example using the Seeker MK1 Tone Bender into the delverb Verb and the delverb Reverb is set all the way clockwise, which allows it to be 100% wet. So there's no dry signal whatsoever. There you have it. I think the Delverb is a really high quality, amazing sounding reverb that really has a lot of applications. I found it to be very creative when I was running synths or doing sound design with it. As much as I found it easy to use in the setting where I was jumping on stage without a sound check, you need to roll through a couple different delay and reverb sounds quickly and know that the sound, the tone was going to be lush and, and very flattering to my guitar signal. You can check the UA Delverb and other pedals as well as recording gear that they make at uaaudio.com I hope everybody's enjoyed episode 25 of anatomy of tone if anybody has any questions feel free to send me a line or suggestions anybody's looking for any kind of lessons would be guitar recording production composition bass drums Reach out to me, tone consultations to do that, as well as recording. You can find me at anatomyofguitartone.com. I have a contact page on there, as well as a lot of other blogs you might be interested in, from gear to music composition and production and music theory, as well as a book that I've written on music theory called Practice Makes Progress, which is a way to take music theory and make it more digestible and easy to learn. I hope everybody has a great week, and I'll see you next time.